You're listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. It's easy to understand, but it's also difficult to understand. And so as we go through this, I'm just going to kind of try to come at this whole definition, this idea of faith, just from a number of different perspectives. And the reason I want to do that is because I'm hoping that maybe a certain Bible translation of Hebrew 11.1, 1, or maybe an example that I'm giving to you about faith, that maybe just that scripture or that example will kind of click for you and you'll kind of go, Ah, okay, I better understand, you know, what it means to walk by faith. And Hebrews 11 says, now faith is the assurance. And again, this is the characteristic. This is what faith looks like lived out. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Again, this is how biblical faith operates. The Living Bible translates this verse saying, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us even though we cannot see it up ahead. And you're going to get into some examples of this in Hebrews 11 where you really, really begin To kind of see, man, these are some people, they had no idea where they were going or what God was calling them to do. And and there's just that element of faith is God's calling me to go, go, God's calling me to do. I don't know where it is or what it is to do, but I'm just going to go. And and again, you just start to see those elements of faith being kind of lived out. Uh, The Amplified translates it this way. Now, faith is the assurance, and it uses kind of the word title deed or the confirmation of things hoped for and that is divinely guaranteed and the evidence of things not seen the conviction of their reality faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses Now, the Greek word for faith is pistis, which means persuasion. It it, it means conviction regarding a religious truth, conviction of the truthfulness, the faithfulness of God, or reliance upon God. So faith is the evidence of proof of what we cannot see or what we have not yet seen. Okay, one of the elements we kind of talked about that, uh, that we talked about a faith last week was faith sees really nothing. It only hears, okay? And faith can only hear. It can only respond to what it has heard God has spoken. So if God has not spoken, if God has not revealed his heart, his mind regarding a particular matter, say salvation, healing, prosperity, there's nothing to put our faith into. Faith only responds when it hears what God has spoken. Now everything related to biblical faith depends upon the fact God has spoken on any given issue. And what God has said is true. We can depend on that. We can rely on what God has spoken. And what we believe, again, 
and what he has said. So what we see is what we know, right? What we believe is what we hear, is really what the scriptures are telling us. So this great cloud of witnesses that Hebrews 12, 1 talks about that we're studying, the examples of faith that we kind of follow throughout Hebrews 11 are examples of those who having heard what God said, they united that in believing that what God said was true and God was able to bring it to pass. Now again, they may not have understood everything God said. It may not have been clear exactly what God was calling them to do, but they believed they had heard God speak and they just respond to that in, in faith. So every instance of faith that we're going to look at throughout this series comes under that category of things hoped for or things not seen. And again, as you go back and look at that list of individuals, that is the one common denominator of every living example of faith found in Hebrews 11. Now, last week we started by looking at Abel and how he offered by faith a better uh, sacrifice than his older brother Cain. And we talked about that, that basically Cain and Abel heard God say what was required in order for sinful man to come back into a right relationship with God, following the fall of mankind there in the Garden of Eden. God spoke. He, he told them, here is what you need to do if you're going to come back into my presence. You're going to need to come through the blood of a substitute. And in the Old Testament, that it was animal sacrifice. And so both Cain and Abel heard what God said in regards to that and what he required. And remember, we talked about Abel responded by faith. In other words, God spoke, and Abraham united his belief with what God spoke, and he does the right thing, he offers the right sacrifice, and he is accepted. Cain hears the same thing, only he chooses to ignore or to disregard or to rebel against what God said, and he goes and just brings some produce from the ground, which was cursed through the fall, and no blood... And so his offering was rejected. So again, what we talked about last week, I'm not going to go through all that again, obviously. But again, the idea was the way back into a relationship and fellowship with God is based upon the atonement for sins, which was provided for in the Old Testament through the shed blood of animals, and in the New Testament, it was provided for us through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Abel chooses the way of God and was accepted, whereas Cain, we kind of talked about, kind of represented going the way of man. I'm going to do my thing my way. I'm going to come to God on my own terms. And we knew, uh, and we know from the story, Cain was rejected. So that is the first example of faith. If you were not here last Sunday and you're curious to know more about what we talked about, you can get online and listen to that uh, online. Second example of faith found in Hebrews 11.5. It involves a man named Enoch. So if you have your Bibles, you can get those open. We're going to be in both the Old and New Testament today. Hebrews 11.5 says this, And it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. 
He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. So so without faith, it is impossible to please God. And anyone who wants to come to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently or sincerely seek him. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, Up until today, I've never preached on Enoch. And I'm guessing many of you have probably never heard a sermon on Enoch because really the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about him. All we really know about Enoch is really given to us through what, depending on the translation, 145 words. There's 51 of those in the Old Testament and 94 words in the New Testament. There are really three passages of Scripture that record his life, and those are Genesis, Hebrews 11, and Jude uh, 14 through 16. And again, while we may not know a whole lot about him from this side of heaven, it's very clear as you look at the Scriptures, Enoch was very well known on the other side of heaven. Now that name Enoch, it means dedicated. And it was really through Enoch's dedication to God that we really can learn a lot about this faith that that was toward God and how that faith pleased God. So let's just go back to Genesis and Jude. I want to just look again specifically at Enoch's story, what this tells us about Enoch's faith, and what I believe we can learn from his example. Genesis 5 beginning in verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all of the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, meaning he was translated, taken up to heaven, for God took him. That's it in the Old Testament. Now, you go to the book of Jude, beginning in verse 14, and there it says, It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord come with ten thousand of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all of the ungodly of all of their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. Now do you know why you probably have never heard a sermon on Enoch? Yeah, not a whole lot to go on there. Now the first thing that strikes me really regarding this important, uh, one of the really most important aspects or components of Enoch's faith is that phrase in Genesis 5.22, Enoch walked with God. Uh, You can build a whole sermon just on those four words. I think it really is an indispensable aspect of Enoch's faith, as it would be for anyone. We, 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 We all have that desire 
We all should possess that drive to want to walk as closely with God as possible. Walking in faith and walking with God, they really go hand in hand. And I think it would be very hard for any of us to get very far in in walking by faith if we're not at the same time kind of walking with God. Preacher uh, J. Campbell Morgan summed it up best when he said, walking with God means that we are going in the same direction as God is going. Amos 3.3 kind of puts it this way, can two walk together except they be agreed? Now again, that's a rhetorical question. And the answer is obviously no. Have you ever tried to walk with someone? Ever tried to have harmony or unity with someone you completely disagree with? You're just at complete odds with? For most of us, it would be very, very difficult and unpleasant. I mean, we we desire, we kind of gravitate. We like being in relationships where there's a sense of unity or harmony. So again, can two walk together except that they be in agreement? Part of that walking with God is we've got to be in agreement with God's word. We've got to be in agreement and unity with God's spirit. We've got to be in unity and harmony. I mean, we've we got to be really walking as God or as Jesus when he walked upon the earth. That's walking in agreement. Genesis 5.22 says, Enoch walked with God. Not God walked with Enoch. There's a lot of Christians out there that, that, you know, God just goes with me wherever I go. And, you know, there's some places maybe you go, uh, if you're going into certain areas, maybe bars, um, strip clubs, I want to assure you, God's not walking with you there. Okay, you're going on your own. But there are people out there that have kind of this idea of God's grace. I can go where I want to go. I can do what I want to do. And God is just going to come along. God's just going to be okay with that. It's not what this says. Enoch walked with God. He was following God. He was going the direction of God. To walk with God means that a person, we're going in the same direction God is going. If we say we want to walk with God, then we're saying we want to go where God is going. We want to speak what God is speaking. We want to do what God is doing. In Matthew 4.18, remember Jesus called Simon and Andrew as he did all of the disciples. And he said, come, follow me. Not come, I'm going to follow you. Jesus called the disciples in order that they would walk with him. And to walk with them, Uh, he was inviting them, learn from me. Do the things you see me doing. Be an imitator of me. And that really can only come from walking with him. Let me just make it kind of more, a little practical, personal. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here. A person honestly cannot say that they're walking with God and never read their Bibles. You can't honestly say, I'm walking with God and never pray or witness or give. A person that rarely attends church or or when they do, they're kind of just totally disengaged. You can't say, I'm walking with God or, or attempting to walk with God. Again, I just think it's important to underscore here, if we're walking with God, I think what we're saying, or, or at least what we should be saying, 
is in that statement. I want to go where God is going. I want to do what God is doing. I want to say what God is saying. One of the other interesting dynamics that you'll notice in Hebrew 11, among those people listed, that there's not only kind of a chronological order to the listing of the names, but there kind of also coincides this experimental order to the names. Now again, the first name you find in Hebrews 11 is Abel. And again, we looked at him last week. Now, Abel's faith is listed first, not only because he lived before all of the others, but because he believed God as to the first great fundamental spiritual truth that comes before all the other lessons of faith. And what was that lesson? Access to God. Intimacy with God. Fellowship, right relationship with God. Forgiveness of sins. All of this comes to us by means of the atonement, the shedding of blood of a proper substitute. So that's, that's the first lesson we get from Abel. Next in Hebrew 11 comes Enoch's faith, his witness. And again, not necessarily because he lived next, but I believe he gives to us the second great spiritual truth, and that is atonement comes before walking with God. Atonement comes before communion, fellowship, being born again. It really comes before we're going to walk with God. Jesus said in John 3, beginning in verse 3, he said, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. A lot of people want to see the kingdom of God, but they don't want to be born again. And Jesus said, unless you do the first thing, get born again, you're not going to do the second thing. Same thing in Hebrews. Unless you do what Abel did, you're never going to do what Enoch did. you got to do what Abel did in order to do what Enoch did. Are you following me? Since faith comes by hearing, let's just kind of get into this. That's what the scripture says. Faith comes by hearing. It's all faith has to respond to is what it's hearing God say. Now, if that's true, and I believe that it is, what did Enoch hear God say that caused Enoch to be translated, to, to, to be taken up into heaven without experiencing death? Now, one of the, the keys to that question comes from Genesis 5, which we read earlier. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God. Now get this, after he fathered Methuselah, 300 years, that's a long time. I mean, we, we, you know, we get to be you know, 100 and we're walking with God. That's great, but you look at Enoch, man, here's a guy who walked with God for 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. And as I sit and look at this and kind of meditate on this, it tells me that when Enoch was 65 years old, he had a son named Methuselah. Now, what do we know about names, um, especially naming babies in biblical times? Well, we know that oftentimes parents would pray 
And they would ask God, God, what do you want us to call this child? Like, you know, Mary and Joseph, for instance. You remember the angel of the Lord appeared to them, said you're going to have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so oftentimes maybe God would, would tell the person, here's what you are to name the child. Other times it may be a reflection of a prophetic word. Okay, it may be kind of the name the parent chooses. That name represents a prayer that they really want spoken over and into the life of that child. It's what they would hope that that baby would maybe grow to become. Or a name could maybe reflect a particular destiny the parents hoped that child would embody. Now, what we know is that when Enoch had this son named Methuselah, it was at that point in his life, something happened that caused him to begin to walk with God. Genesis said he had other sons and daughters, but with this one child, Methuselah, something happened. Something shifted in the life of Enoch to the point that he just starts this walk with God and he continues that walk for 300 years. So I'm thinking as I look at this, something happened. What was it that happened that caused Enoch to name the son Methuselah and then say from this point forward, I'm walking with God? Well, I think the New Testament book of Jude, again, gives us some insight into that. And you can look again at what Jude said. It says, it was also about these that Enoch, he was the seventh from Adam, and he prophesied. Meaning, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Enoch there in Genesis at some point. And he begins to speak the word of the Lord. And what was that word of the Lord that Enoch began to speak? He said, behold, the Lord Come with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all of their deeds of ungodliness that have been committed in such an ungodly way and of all of the harsh things that the ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And then he says, these, who he, who he is speaking to, he is prophesying, says, these are Grumblers, they're malcontents, they're following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. So essentially, Enoch speaks what he hears the Spirit of the Lord saying to him, right? That, that's what prophecy is. It is revealing the heart of God, the plans of God, the purposes of God regarding a particular situation or maybe concerning people. And in this, you kind of see both elements of that. Enoch is giving the people of his time a message, a warning, a word from God, what God intends to do. And it's not good. Enoch basically says, God is coming, and he is bringing a host of heaven's armies, and he is going to execute judgment against the ungodly, those who oppose him through their words and their deeds. 
what Enoch is experiencing is he is seeing that God is grieved with the people of Enoch's time. And Enoch is warning them judgment is coming. So Enoch hears that through the spirit of the Lord. Now, he's got, a, he's got an option. Ignore it, shut it off, disregard it, or speak it. And he speaks it out to the people. And it's around this very, very time that he has that son named Methuselah. Any of you know what the name Methuselah means? Remember, go back to what I just said about names. Here's what the name Methuselah means. After him it shall be sent. Again, Enoch doesn't just pick any old name. Oh, I'll just kind of name him. My father, my grandfather's name. He picks a name. And in that name, he is making a prophetic statement. He says, after this son, the son I am calling Methuselah, it shall be sent. What shall be sent? The judgment Enoch prophesied as recorded there in Jude. Anyone care to guess who one of Methuselah's grandsons was? Noah. As a matter of fact, Noah is on the list next week of Hebrews 11, roster of faith. We'll talk more about him next week. It's so tempting to get into that this morning, but I'm not. Genesis 6, 11, again, records the conditions of the earth. Around the time Enoch gives this prophetic word there in Jude 14 through 16. And there it says in Genesis 6, 11, the earth was also corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So so this is God's pronouncement of his coming judgment upon the earth. And then if you know the story, he gives Noah the blueprints for the ark he is to build. So I'll just kind of take you through this quickly. You can go back and check my math. I know Janie will because I'm horrible at math. So Methuselah is 187 years old and he has a son called Lamech. And when 182 years later, Lamech also has a son named Noah. Now, this makes Methuselah at that time 369 years old. Now, Scripture says when Noah turned 500 years old, that is when God gives to him or begins to reveal to him the plans, the blueprints um, for building the ark. And at that time, when Noah's uh, 500 years old, that makes Methuselah 896 years old. 100 years later, the ark is complete. Methuselah turns 969 years old. He dies, and then that is when the flood comes and destroys the earth and mankind. And that's what, that's what turned him. That's what caused him to begin to walk with God. He hears this word from God, judgment is coming. He recognizes that by saying, here I'm going to name my son Methuselah. After him it shall be sent. This is what Enoch heard God say 
back there in Genesis 5. This is like 904 years before the floodwaters of judgment came upon the earth. See, so many of we just think faith is now. It is, but there are elements of faith that are also sometimes promises we will not see fulfilled in this lifetime. Enoch was one of those men. Abraham was one of those men. So, so faith is it's kind of a multi-pronged thing. There's aspects of faith that are now, but there are also aspects of faith that are to come. How many of you have faith in the resurrection of your body? How many of you have that? Yeah, none of us do. That, that is a part of our faith that is to come. This prophetic word is what, again, caused Enoch to just turn. I'm going to start walking with God. It's what caused him to name that one child, that one son, Methuselah. Because after this one, that judgment I heard, that judgment I spoke, it is coming Because following again the death of Methuselah, the ark was shut up, the floodwaters came. Enoch prophesied about a judgment that would come upon the earth again 904 years later. And and then said, you know what? The exact timing of that judgment, it is going to coincide with the lifespan of my son Methuselah. What is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Enoch had the conviction, even though he didn't understand exactly at that time what it was going to be, how is that judgment going to come, he had the conviction, the assurance that God's judgment was going to come upon the earth and it so shook him spiritually that for the next 300 years, this man walked in closeness and intimacy with God. He was so convicted of what God was going to do in the generations to come that he even recognizes that. that there was faith operating in the naming of that child, Methuselah. And he said, judgment, it's not going to come until his son Methuselah died. Now again, just one other interesting note. I'm just going to throw this out. We're almost out of time, and then I'll end. Other interesting note concerning Methuselah was that at the age of 969 years old, do you know that he lived the longest of anyone upon the earth ever? Isn't that just a beautiful picture of the grace and mercy of God? God used the man who lived the longest as a demonstration of his long-suffering, his grace, his mercy to give mankind every opportunity of repenting and turning back to him. Again, as a demonstration of his long suffering. God could have used somebody and just said, nope, I want that. Somebody's just going to live till they're 30. It's just time to get this show on the road. Time to get it over. And when they're 30, then I'm going to send the flood. No, 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 no. Because God is gracious. Because God is good. Because his kindness endures forever. God uses the man who lived the longest of anyone in the history of mankind as, again, a demonstration of his grace and his mercy. 
So what was Enoch's faith? God told Enoch, I'm going to bring judgment upon mankind because of their ungodliness. Enoch believed God. And so much so that it influenced his walk with God from that point forward. Enoch also, he demonstrates his faith in what God was telling him that when his son was born to him, he gave that son a name that indicated the timing of God's judgment and that it would coincide with that son's death. And God was so pleased with Enoch's walk of faith that God just took him up so that he wouldn't experience death. So why does God translate Enoch rather than just letting him die like everyone else up to this point? And I'm going to have you kind of do some homework uh, today. Uh, the answer to one of those questions, and I'll give you the answer to number two. The uh, answer to the first of that question is in uh, Revelation chapter 12, 11. So let's go back and read that. It talks about two witnesses that are, that are going to come. And many Bible scholars believe Enoch is one of those. Elijah is the other. Go back and just read through uh, Revelation 11. The other reason, and I think this is probably maybe more pertinent uh, to us gathered here today, uh, maybe why Enoch was translated, taken up to heaven while he was still living, I believe that it was God giving to us a picture of the raptured church. Paul refers to this in 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning in verse 15. And here's what Paul says. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. And he said, first, the Christians who have died will rise from their grave. When Jesus comes back, I'll tell you what, one of the most fascinating places to be will be a cemetery. He says, first the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. He said, then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be, we will be with the Lord forever. And then Paul says, encourage. How many of you feel encouraged by that? Yeah. Especially if, that's, if we're that generation. Encourage each other with these words. And so what God did there for Enoch in Genesis chapter 5, it, it is the same thing he will do with those of us, those Christians who are alive upon the earth when Jesus returns. We're going to be taken up and we're just going to join him uh, in the air. Let me just close with this. Jesus makes a very, very interesting, ask a very, very interesting question. I think more of a statement. He said, when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Jim kind of talked about that a little bit in, the, in, in his prayer here, here this morning. And, and so I'm just, I'm just kind of curious, what is God speaking to you this morning? If I were to ask you, what is the word of God? What is God, the Holy Spirit? What is he speaking to you this morning? Could be a word. Could be a phrase. Maybe God has given you a picture of something that, that God is going to do or maybe in the process of doing. You maybe feel called to do something. Maybe God is calling some of you somewhere. But I'll guarantee you one thing I can tell you with absolute certainty here this morning. God is speaking to each and every one of you here this morning. What is God saying? What are you hearing? Faith this morning would call you to just come into agreement 
with what God is saying. May not understand what it all means. May not understand how it all's going to unfold. There may be elements to that. You're just thinking, this is impossible. God, you could never do this. I hear you. I, I hear what you're saying. But God, it just seems so impossible. Are you willing to just step out in obedience and believe what you hear God speaking to you this morning. Because Jesus said, when I come back, that's what I'm looking for. Are there, are there people who heard the word of the Lord and then obeyed, stepped into it? That's what Jesus is looking for this morning. So I, again, I just ask you, what is God speaking to you this morning? And are you willing to just step in to that? Let's stand. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit lives and dwells within each of us who believe. And God, we believe this morning that you are active, you are alive. And God, you continue to speak. God, you're continuing to unfold your plans and your purposes for every life in this room. And Father, I thank you for those who have heard your word. And God, are just walking with you in that. That God, they have stepped out. They have united what they're hearing with belief. And God, they're walking with you as Enoch walked with you. And Father, this morning, I just pray that what every individual hears here this morning, that God, we would unite what we're hearing by the Spirit of the Lord, that God, we would unite that. We would just be stepping out in belief, that God, we would begin to just uh, do what it is we, we hear you calling us to do. And it may be just praying. It may be just waiting upon you at this moment. But God, in whatever ways you're calling us, that God, we would first just recognize that we hear you. And that God, even though we may not understand it all, that God, we are willing to just walk with you this morning in that. And God, as we just begin to walk, that God, you will begin to just reveal and to unveil more and more. So Father, I just pray this morning that whatever they're hearing, and, and God, I pray that they're hearing. If not, God, I pray, Lord, that you would just kind of increase the decibel of your voice in their spirit, God, that they would know that they can hear you speaking to them. And then, God, just, just give them that ability, God, to just walk with you in that. And so Father, we just again ask, Lord, that you would just confirm your word in the hearts and the spirit of every person here this morning. For some of you, it may just be that call of salvation. You've never accepted Jesus. Maybe you're an unbeliever, and what God is calling you to do is to take that step of faith, to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. Maybe it is to be baptized like Jonathan testified to today. Whatever that may be, I just pray that you'll hear, you'll know it is the voice of God, and that you'll unite that 
and just begin to walk with God in that. And Father, we just know that as you were pleased with Enoch, as he walked with you, that God, you will also be pleased with us as we walk with you in obedience to what we're hearing. And we just thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.